The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, again, it's my pleasure to um, be invited to be with you all tonight. And um, it was lovely to sit with you. Um, and uh, my topic for tonight is our compassionate nature with the question, are we innately compassionate and caring or is it a learned behavior and some people just don't have it? And what does compassion have to do with uh, the cultivation of insight and the Buddhist path? I was thinking during the sit about a myriad of stories from um, the Buddhist tradition about um, life and love and generosity and patience and mindfulness and all that good stuff. And uh, my mind settled on the image of the Buddha sitting under the tree. So you've probably seen something like this statue next to me, like it. Uh, with the Buddha sitting under a big tree. And the story is that after he witnessed a great deal of suffering, uh, before he was the Buddha, uh, a man named Shakyamuni Buddha, Shakyamuni, wait, I mean, Shakyamuni, yeah. His name was Prince Siddhartha, and he went out into the world. Eventually he sat down under a tree, and he became enlightened, which might have something to do with why you have come here on a Monday night or why you came to meditation practice or may mean nothing to you. But what I find interesting about the story and the image is that after he sat under the tree and became enlightened, he didn't keep sitting there. Um, He actually got up from under the tree and went out into the world to serve others, to offer what he had discovered to the community around him, which then led to um, monks and nuns and students and a whole lineage that has come down through 2,500 years to each of us. I imagine he could have just thought to himself, well, this is, this is great. I am so content. I kind of get what this is all about. I've, I've answered all my big questions and it's nice here in the shade, and wow, I could just sit here. But he didn't. He got up, and he stepped out into the world and offered what he had discovered uh, to the people around him. There are two uh, definitions or um, dimensions of an awakened being. One is that the being is wise and has um, seen into the nature of life in all its beauty and complexity and difficulty and constant change. Wisdom is the most common word for this. And actually, in the Thai tradition, Buddha, Buddha statues are, um, have, the Buddha has really large ears, like these ears here. 
I probably need longer ears to work with this little thing on my ear here tonight. Uh, so whenever you see a statue with the Buddha having very long ears, it's most likely from Southeast Asia, and the ears are a sign of his wisdom. The other dimension or realm of an awakened being is that of compassion. Um, and these two are said to go together. Um, and one cannot exist without the other. So you could say that under the tree, the Buddha discovered wisdom. And by stepping out from under the tree, the Buddha expressed compassion. Fast forward a few thousand years, and here we are in Redwood City, California, in 2014, in September. And we've been in cars and on bicycles. We've had jobs and uh, bought groceries today and emailed and texted and got here. And maybe somebody's watching your children or you're wondering why you're not home watching television or... uh, There's somebody out there driving that train that we can hear. So what is the truth about compassion in this day and age, in our time, here in this place? So that's kind of my um, question for tonight. I have some thoughts about that, and I'm going to invite you to share some of your thoughts, too, through an activity in a bit. I've been actually studying compassion in a particular way for a couple of years now. And um, I originally took a course on compassion because I thought, well, I've been practicing um, meditation and I've been studying Buddhist teachings and I've been um, living out a life of service to the best of my ability. And still, if somebody kind of stopped me and asked me, what is compassion? I would have to kind of think about it. Yeah. So I've, I've taken up a course of study or practice, if you will, in Um, asking myself and being with other people to consider what is compassion, how do we develop it, Um, can we become more compassionate or uh, particularly in the face of a world that is fast changing and seemingly full of more and more difficulty and stress. Anybody here have a stressful day today in any way? Did you have a moment where you maybe were holding your breath or gritting your teeth, or they're the honest ones with the raised hands, or rushing to get here, or getting an email and thinking, oh no, (laughs) this is one of my stresses, emails, I just, oh no. Um, So yeah, we live in a stressful world, and we can respond by clenching and tightening and uh, separating and shutting down, which is part of our brain's function in the face of difficulty and stress. And we can respond with openness and curiosity and softening and considering a different perspective than the one that our brain immediately sends to us. So for example, I was um, in a store this afternoon on my way here picking up a few things and... um, the cashier was texting while she was while I was completing our transaction. I've never seen she had it hidden in her keyboard, surrounded by a few things. And so I'm doing the card, and I look over, and she's doing that thing, you know, 
that, that new mudra that we have, the look down at that little box. I have never had somebody actually texting during a transaction. I've heard somebody not starting the transaction because they're on their phone, or, but literally kind of, and I, and I was so, I thought to myself, really? <laughs> really? You know? Um, and um, a few seconds later, I was walking out the door, and I thought, oh, my goodness. She's probably really unhappy sitting behind this register in this chaotic store uh, doing something over and over again. You know, what must her life be like such that in the midst of an interaction with a customer, I consider myself a customer, maybe she didn't, um, to kind of not be there, you know, and I just... And then I'm driving down, get off 19th Avenue again on Juniper Sarah, and I see a black Honda on the median with a gigantic light post on top of it, a 40-foot post on top of the car. And then I drove by miles and miles of traffic. And I thought, oh, somebody tonight is really having a bad night. I mean, somebody may have been killed, gravely injured, and I'm driving by, you know, hundreds of people on 280 just sitting in their cars, and I thought, oh, we never know. You know, life is so precarious. I also could have thought, uh, really? for the person at the store and not thought anything else and just let it bug me, you know. Or I could have driven by the accident and not even thought twice about it besides, thank God I'm not stuck in that traffic and kept going. So uh, I think in my study of compassion, this is the outcome, actually, of my practicing with compassion, and I'll talk a little bit about how I've been doing that specifically. Um, But there are other times in my life when I don't have the same thought or the same sentiment. I could care less, which is why I think I keep coming back to meditation practice and places like the Insight Meditation Center and uh, doing the service work that I do is because um, it's a warm feeling when I can see my mind turn from its natural um, default irritation or self-centeredness to uh, concern for others and an acknowledgement of other forces at work in the world. It makes me really, um, really happy and a little more um, kinder to myself, actually, to see that my mind can turn this way. Um, Just a little bit about our brains. Um, Our brains function um, with neurons and electricity and chemicals, and we're wired, actually, to have what's called a default brain mode, which is a brain that can really quickly, if the fire alarm goes off, no, i got to get out of here. You know? Or they can step on the brakes on a bicycle without thinking twice of, I need to stop. You know? Or the, when the tiger jumps at us in the, from the jungle, which happens to me all the time here in Redwood City, um, that we, we don't go, oh, what a cute tiger. I wonder how many stripes it has. We, we have an instinct to turn the other way. You know? um, this is a really great part of our brains. 
But it's not the part of our brains that insight meditation actually seeks to cultivate and can impact. Uh, Through meditation practice, through study of the Buddhist teachings, what we're cultivating is a responsive mind, the mind that does not work with a default, but actually has a few choices before it. A choice for um, careful attention, a choice um, for concern or empathy, um, a choice to have a different thought or an additional thought to really, such as, wow, what's her world like? You know. So we have two brain modes. And for those that are meditating regularly, my imagination, my hope is that you've noticed that the more that you sit in silence, the more that you cultivate mindfulness, um, like a muscle, uh, your brain hopefully is a little less on default all the time and more able to switch into response from time to time. Has anybody noticed this with your meditation practice? Okay, great. Yeah. And if you haven't, um, it may be happening and you don't know it. Um, or think what could be happening if you weren't sitting and cultivating mindfulness. It could be even more dramatic. You know? yeah. um, so there's a real link between cultivating mindfulness, which settles the mind, which can then make our hearts and minds more responsive and thus able to more directly see the way that life is and have a compassionate response to the way that life is. Just like the Buddha who sat under the tree saw how life was, but then he got up. I love that he got up. I just love that. Uh, Before he was enlightened, um, this demon Mara came to him and said, how dare you sit under this tree and attempt to be an awakened being, to be enlightened? Who do you think you are? You think you're so special? Uh, And always in my mind, that demon has a New Jersey accent because that's where I'm from. Who do you think you are? Um, And the Buddha, um, rather than arguing with this demon, the Buddha actually um, touched the ground and said, I am a creature of the earth, and it is my birthright to be fully awakened. I am of a nature. I am connected to all that is, and that's my qualification. So I love that. You know, I don't have to be special. I don't have to have it all together. Just by being of the earth, alive, I have the potential to be liberated from difficulty and awakened. So I find that a really hopeful image. Yeah. And often you'll see a statue of the Buddha with his hand actually touching the ground in that motion. You know, I claim my seat, so to speak. No. So with all this talk of compassion, I would like to ask you um, to consider for a moment a time when you experienced some form of compassion. And by that I mean a moment, an instance, an experience when you noticed that somebody was having difficulty and you reached out to them, or a moment when you were having difficulty and somebody paid attention to you, or perhaps a moment when you were on your own case and you softened a bit and said to yourself, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. So if you could just see if you can remember a time. 
And they're going to ask you to turn to the person next to you. This will be the audience participation section. It won't be very long, introverts. Don't worry. <laughs> Extroverts, here's your five minutes. Um, could you please uh, turn to the person next to you and let them know your name? And then tell them where you were born. And then your idea, what came to you just now about a moment of compassion. Okay? Yeah. And then when you do this, please don't give any advice. Just a few minutes. The big one, the big one. Can I see a show of hands of how many people were not born in this country that are here tonight? Isn't that cool? Look around. Isn't that great? And how many people here, your parents were not born in this country? It's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So it seemed like you had something to talk about. More than just where you were born. Um, and um, assuming that you talked about compassion, either um, giving it or receiving it, um, was it pretty... Did something come to mind pretty readily? Yes? Great, super, great. Um, one of the things I want to underscore um, in our reflection about compassion is actually... Um, that compassion has three directions. And I mentioned those when I invited you to talk about compassion, but I want to underscore them now. Um, one direction for compassion is that it goes from me to others. And how many of you talked about a moment of compassion when it was you towards somebody else? Okay. Not everybody. Yeah. And then another direction of compassion is from ourselves to ourselves. Self-compassion. How many of you talked about that? Okay, significantly fewer. Yeah. And the third direction for compassion is from others to us. From others to us. So how many of you talked about that? Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? I, I always just thought compassion went one way. From me to others. And that was my wiring and my responsibility. Uh, I was a, a Girl Scout when I was very young in my formative years. And I actually took a vow as a Girl Scout. I didn't realize it really at the time. I was 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. To one, be a good person. And to two, to serve others. 
like really, really young. And uh, many of us actually um, were probably taught something along these lines or what is called the golden rule um, in modern culture. How many of you heard of the golden rule when you were when really young? Okay, a lot of people. Yeah, and this may not be true if you were not born in this country, which is, you know, why I kind of wanted to know. Um, uh, it may be called something else, but actually um, every society and every culture has some form of the golden rule being uh, along the lines of do unto others something good, or be nice, play nice. So three directions. The most difficult directions in um, Western society at present day is that of self-compassion. Um, there has been research into compassion and the ways that people experience it. And interestingly, self-compassion, compassion for oneself, is the most difficult. Yeah. Why do you think that might be? Hmm. Hmm. Nobody told me when I was eight years old to be self-compassionate. It was be good and help other people. I actually remember um, also hearing about self-esteem really young. Anybody hear about self-esteem when you were growing up or pay attention to that in yourself now or in your children? Nobody. Well, then you may not be interested to know that there's a huge difference between self-esteem and self-compassion. Um, self-esteem um, is actually based, it's a great idea, and it's fantastic in terms of having a healthy sense of self. But self-esteem has a, a not-so-good aspect, which is that it is a bit hierarchical. That is to say that in order to have high self-esteem and achieve highly in society, somebody else is a little bit lesser. There's a lot of comparing that happens with self-esteem. You know? And even in grading children as they develop, it doesn't really cultivate compassion um, to say, well, you're better and here's better grades and more social acceptance and higher self-esteem at a subtle or not-so-subtle cost to somebody else that says, you're not as good or less than, or not as valuable. Yeah. So I'm not saying that self-esteem is not important, but self-compassion, by contrast, is to say that we're all here together. We're all doing something. We're all getting out of bed. We're all making an effort. And we're all falling short of our expectations all the time. And we all want to be happy. That's what we're about in some form or another. And to remember this in, in next to another person kind of negates comparison. Like if I'm thinking, just like me, Maureen wants to be happy today. Yeah. Then it's really hard to feel separate or better than or even worse than Maureen. Just, we're here together. Yeah. So this is why I found studying compassion to be so interesting, is that it's, it involves the brain, it has several directions to it, um, it counters my chronic self-doubt and anxiety, which I do have, despite my confident-sounding voice and manner. Um, 
So I find it pretty interesting. Yeah. Studies have also shown that we're not the only creatures that feel compassion or concern for others. A study was done recently in which rats were given chocolate. I don't know if it was fair trade, organic, <laughs> or not, but they were given chocolate, and they, they liked it. And then one of them um, was given a shock, and the other one was given chocolate. And then the second one figured out, oh, if I get chocolate, it gives him a shock. So they hooked it up that way after a while, right? The rat stopped eating chocolate so that he would not shock the other rat. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? Another study shows that children at 18 months of age are aware of adults in distress and will make an attempt to help them. Now, at 18 months, they're probably not able to help them, but an 18-month-old child is aware of other adults having problems and express a desire to help them at 18 months. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. So you could say that um, compassion is innate. And yet, we all experience ourselves as sometimes feeling kind and caring and open, and other times clenched and tight and unhappy and the heck with you, I need to get where I'm getting. You may have experienced this particularly when you're in your car. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for peace and love, but, you know, get out of my lane. <laughs> or use your turn indicator. Or I wish I had that car. Yeah. Yeah. Great litmus test, the driving. Yeah. So those are some of my thoughts about compassion and its cultivation. Um, uh, In uh, Buddhist teachings, it's said that with practice in this lineage and on this path, with time, with effort, we naturally become open-hearted. Our hearts soften, kind of like when you take butter out of the freezer and leave it on the counter, it just kind of softens, you know. Uh, that this is actually um, an outcome, if you will, a result of uh, Buddhist study and meditation and service. Perhaps some of you have noticed this already. There are actually four dimensions to this awakened heart, one of which is compassion. Another one is love. Love. Another one is joy. Here who would like some joy? There's a class on, what was, the class is coming up on joy, so check the newsletter or their emails, yeah. And the fourth is equanimity, equanimity. Um, And there's a slight distinction between um, compassion and um, happiness or loving kindness that I want to offer to you. Um, Loving kindness is the um, Buddhist term for... um, wishing others to be happy and compassion is wishing others to be free from suffering yeah. so they're a little bit different even though they're wrapped up sometimes into a traditional text called the loving kindness um, sutta uh, actually love is kind of like I hope you're happy and I want to imagine you being really happy just like I want to be happy and then another 
uh, dimension on that or perspective is, I don't want you to suffer. I would like whatever is difficult for you to stop. Just like I don't want to suffer and I don't want to have difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually said that, that a liberated beings full of love and it comes out as the wish for happiness, it comes out as concern for people's suffering, it comes out as joy and equanimity. And I would offer a fourfold definition of um, compassion that's not in Buddhist texts, that comes more, actually in the insight tradition, comes more from the Tibetan tradition. And that is, um, compassion is, one, noticing difficulty. So how many of you, in your example, uh, when you thought of compassion, it began with some sort of difficulty, stress, suffering, unhappiness, illness, what have you? Okay, everybody, pretty much, yeah, exactly. So the first thing we need to do to be compassionate or more compassionate is to pay attention, and to really notice difficulty. Like Nirali, you said you were walking down a train platform and you noticed somebody was lying down and probably needed help. So first we have to notice. Um, so I encourage you in your days ahead to maybe pick an hour or two when you just notice difficulty, stress, suffering. The second dimension of compassion is to have a um, feeling or some empathy for that difficulty. Because we could notice difficulty and suffering and say, ha, too bad for you. you know? And some people do. You know? That's where they kind of they stop. They say, it's too bad for you, you know. But a more compassionate response includes the awareness and, oh, ouch, I'll bet, you know, I have a feeling of regret or concern or sadness or um, uh, irritation. You know, like, ugh, not only are you suffering, but I am a part of a world that creates that suffering, you know, or guilt. A third dimension of compassion is considering, I think I'll do something about it. I could do something. That motivation and intention a desire to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. How many of you, in your example, there was some dimension of desire to alleviate the suffering? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then the fourth dimension is to act, to do something, yeah. which sometimes can look like stopping a train of thought, of cr- criticizing somebody, like I did on my way out of the store, or the thought to wish somebody well and think whoever was in that car accident, may they receive excellent medical attention and uh, may all these people stuck in traffic get home eventually and uh, find peace at home or wherever they need to be. Or an act maybe to pick up a piece of garbage and throw it in the garbage can. Like, you know, I didn't put it there, but I think I'll pick it up. Yeah. So these are four, and, and I... I have found that um, sometimes they kind of come clumped together and sometimes there's one more than another and sometimes I'm actually being compassionate I don't even mean to. Like somebody's in distress and um, I can just tell by their body language. You know, we haven't even talked and I'm sitting next to them thinking, oh, that person's having a bad day. Yeah. Any questions or comments about um, this uh, topic of compassion and 
are we compassionate and how might we develop or grow in this regard or why it might matter or an argument against compassion perhaps <laughs> no or to share your experience of compassion not even a question please because if you share your experience then I don't even have to give an answer please I think a flip side of that is how it affects the other person. Because I think I changed someone's life today. Mm. And I had told Jimmy the, the situation. I was in a horrendous car accident. And it was a little 16-year-old with her permit and the mom in the car. And it was her fault. And she panicked and just crashed into me. And uh, after I kind of got my bearings, I said, the mother was great. She just came over right away. She says, I know it's our fault. I'm so sorry. I said, I want to see your daughter. Mm. And the daughter, when she had been crying and just so distraught, she's 16. She doesn't have her license yet, just starting to drive. And uh, I went up to her, and she was red eyes and everything. I said, come here. And she got out of the driver's seat, and I, I just gave her this great big hug. And she hugged me back, and we stood there for a full minute. And uh, the mother was crying because I found out later her daughter does not hug anyone. <laughs> and um, not even mom and dad. She's like a board. She keeps everything inside. This young girl was hugging and I, I'm pretty sure this is a breakthrough for her. So it's an effect on the other person mm -hmm. and the world. Right. So it's not just a one-way street. That's right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What a response. What a response. What a response. Beautiful. And... Probably somebody else, you don't need to take the microphone, could tell us how you were not compassionate today. <laughs> I had a really mean thought after I thought, really? And you probably missed an opportunity to slow down or pay attention or you were curt with somebody. So I invite you to consider self-compassion when you think about how difficult it is to be compassionate. We have moments of glory and we have moments of just, ah, uh, so difficult. So self-compassion, when I see that part of myself, is to say, this is a moment of suffering. May I remember that I am human. May I forgive myself. May I be free from difficulty. And may I remember next time, a little bit sooner, to be kind and considerate, rather than self-absorbed and competitive or whatever adjective you might choose for what happened to you today. I think compassion needs to be very broad so that we hold both our moments of a responsive, kind mind and our moments of a default brain that just says blankety blank blank like that response in the Terminator. Remember the Terminator when he has all those responses in the movie? 
and it comes down to that last one. You know, we all have that menu in front of us all the time. So, if this topic is of interest to you, I'll confess I do teach a course on compassion cultivation. Some of you here have taken that course. Anybody? Do 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 do. Ha! Couple of shills. I had no idea. And I'm teaching it here on Tuesday afternoon, starting next month. So if this topic is of interest to you, I'll be teaching an eight-week course. I brought some flyers. And the same course will be taught on Thursday nights by a colleague of mine. Uh, there's a particular eight-week course in compassion cultivation that's been developed down the road at Stanford Medical Center. And it involves settling the mind and directing it towards um, particular places like suffering and the wish for happiness and our own innate capacity as well as our difficulties. So if that interests you, um, if there's a course coming up and it's also kind of spreading around the Bay Area right now too. Yeah. So I'm aware of the time. We need to wrap things up. Thank you for coming tonight. And um, I want to acknowledge... Um, all the forces that it takes for us to be here tonight. Speaking of uh, compassion, one might consider the interdependence of the world that we live in. Somebody takes care of the traffic lights and gets the gas to the gas station. Somebody brought food to our region so we could have dinner tonight. Somebody raised money to create this center so it offers by donations and the air conditioning works. Somebody's taking care of our children or um, the electricity that we'll enjoy tonight. We are all receiving at every moment the good work and effort of other people. So let us remember them as we say goodnight. And may whatever uh, merit or um, goodwill that's been generated in this room tonight through our sitting with our intention through our consideration of uh, the topic and of Buddhist teachings, may that merit, that goodwill, go out with you into the night tonight. Please take this gold uh, with you and offer it to everybody and everything that you see. It doesn't need to stay just in this room. So please take this goodwill, this merit, to the creatures with two legs and four legs and wings, and fins, the beings above, below, near, and far, born, and yet to be born. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be free of suffering. And please, keep some of this merit for yourself. Just a tad. Thank you all. Good night.